You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show. Jags all-time leader in receptions among tight ends. He spent all 12 of his NFL seasons in Jacksonville since being drafted out of UCLA. Former Packers safety Morgan Burnett is headed to Pittsburgh. Our own James Jones breaking the news on Twitter. Burnett signed a three-year deal worth more than $14 million. The Steelers have been in search of safety help since parting ways with veteran Mike Mitchell. This has been NFL Network Now on the Westwood One Radio Network. The lowest prices of the season sale is going on now at GNC, but hurry, it won't last long. Save up to 50% on top brands like Nugenics, Jim, Cellucor, Force Factor, and GNC Amp. They're all at the lowest prices of the season. Train well, sleep well, live well. GNC has hundreds of your favorite items at up to 50% off. Hurry into GNC for the lowest prices of the season sale now through March 28th. GNC, live well. Whatever you drive, drive a Firestone. Head into Firestone Complete Auto Care through April 2nd and get $60 on a Visa prepaid card by mail when you purchase a set of four eligible Firestone tires. Because with the right set of tires, you don't have to buy a new car to make yours run like new. Claim form required. For eligible tires and complete details, visit driveafirestone.com. Cannot be combined with any other offer. It's 8 o'clock at KNBB Dubak Rustin Monroe. Time for the morning drive. This hour is sponsored by Car King in Monroe. Good morning, North Louisiana. What up? How goes it? Aaron and Jake hanging out in the Caldwell Banker Group One Early Studio in West Monroe. John Tabor doing a fine job back at the Sports Talk 97.7 headquarters in Ruston. And now joining us on the Stuart Shelby State Farm Hotline. Michael Federico, the head coach of ULM. What up, Coach? How are you doing this morning, bud? Good morning. I'm doing great. How about you guys? Yeah, very good. Uh, we're happy to announce, of course, you'll be joining us uh, throughout the season, the rest of the season, on Wednesday mornings around 8 o'clock or so. Coach, I look down and what, we're 19, 20 games into this year. It seems like it's flying by. Does it feel that way to you being in your first year as ULM's head baseball coach? It, it all, it, yes, for sure. Every time, uh, you know, once the season gets going, um, you know, you're you're playing four to five times a week, and uh, it definitely flies by. And, and that's the thing, you know, you try to preach to your kids too is that uh, you know every moment counts, every day counts, and because uh, it it goes by fast. I know even some of our older guys that are seniors are looking back saying, "Golly, I can't believe it's it's almost over now." So, but uh, yeah, it definitely <laughs> flies by. You guys got off to that great start, I believe, what, 9-2 and two to start the year. You've fallen on a little bit of hard times, but you are coming off a win against South Alabama in that series. How is the team's psyche at this point after that fast start? I think they're, I think they're you know, they understand the concept of uh, the difficulty of a season and the, the length of it, uh, you know, playing on the what's the difference of playing on the road and playing at home. We had a, a great start with, uh, you know, as many games that we played at home. Fan support was was tremendous, and um, you know then we kind of got on a little skid with playing on the road, and it became a little difficult, uh, you know, battling some weather and some different things like that. But uh, I think you know the psyche is is good, especially uh, you know finding a way to win on Sunday after you know starting out zero and two in conference on Saturday with the doubleheader, and uh, you know 
found a way to win, and and they responded well, and they understood, uh, you know, what we as the coaches are trying to instill to them about, uh, you know, every game matters, especially now that we're in the conference play. Six and two at home this year, five and six away from the friendly confines of Warhawk Field. Coaches, you kind of blend this roster together, and and they come together as a team. Have you had some guys really step forward as leaders on this squad? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I still think they're they're still trying to figure things out a little bit because um, we do have, uh, you know, a, a bunch of some of our seniors for us are you know they're they're pitchers, and mm-hmm. it's kind of hard when you're a pitcher to, you know, kind of be the leader of the team and stuff when you're not out there all the time. So uh, you know, we do, we have a lot of new guys um, that that are JUCO transfers and things like that. So. But, um, you know, Joey Jordan's been a guy, he's been our shortstop pretty much every day. Um, he's been a guy that's been stepping up and, and doing, a, doing a good job for us from the leadership side. Uh, Chad Bell, a junior that uh, plays second, a little bit of first base for us as well. He's kind of in the middle of the lineup bat, uh, does a tremendous job. And, and uh, Braden Barrett and Spencer Hemfield kind of been, they've been the key guys as far as position players go. Because, uh, you know, most of, like I said, most of those guys are playing every day. And uh, it's a, it's a lot easier to do it from you know the the position player standpoint because they're out there all the time. And, you know, a guy like Spencer Hemfield is a senior; he's a four-year starter here, and uh, you know he's he's kind of you know taking almost he's playing almost every day behind the plate, and that becomes a difficult task to do, especially uh, with the demands of that position back there. But he's really showing up each day, and even yesterday at practice, uh, you know, he was he was bouncing around a little bit and getting after it. So. Uh, definitely have some guys that are stepping up and um, showing that leadership and showing some of the, the new guys what they need to do in order to, you know, be, have a successful year. Coach Federico joins us on the Stuart Shelby State Farm Hotline. Coach, you opened up a conference play last week in Mobile against South Alabama, not only battling the Jags but also Mother Nature. I don't know how patient of a guy you are, but uh, how difficult it is to keep track of the weather and, of course, time's getting pushed back and trying to things keep ways and and think of ways to keep your team focused uh, during some of these delays yeah it's it's definitely a challenge i think that's what's you know the the beautiful thing that we have here is i've got an operations guy michael gammon who uh kind of helps us takes takes you know a little bit of weight off of us because you know one of the things is is what do you do for meals and you know you have something set up and all of a sudden now you got to change it sometimes it's you know during the game and, and you know there's a lot of places where the assistant coaches are having to do that and you know, you're trying to coach third base and you're trying to you know give your manager a credit card or you know two hundred dollars or whatever it is for the meal and you, you know you're trying to figure that stuff out so that that becomes the, the big challenge with weather is you know what time are we going to do things you know trying to coordinate things with the bus driver uh, because you know you got to feed your guys they got to get nourishment they got to get nutrition in their body and um, that, that becomes a huge huge challenge with the weather because um, we had almost a 12-hour day at South Alabama on Saturday um, you know we show up and we, we knew that the tarp was on the field but you know the, the, the skies were pretty clear and but there was some lightning in the area and uh, you know you can't take the tarp off and uh, you know so we kept pushing the game back and our starter uh, Chase Beal, I had told him what time they had moved the game back to, and uh, and I guess I was I was talking with one of their administrators and one of their coaches, and I looked down there and he's starting to get loose, and 
they haven't even taken the tarp off. So I was like, hey, hang on a second. I got to go down here and, and tell them they pushed it back. He goes, oh, coach, I didn't, I didn't realize it. You told me it was, you know, whatever time it was, 4 mm-hmm. o'clock start or whatever. And I was like, oh, man, I'm sorry. <laughs> and I was like, you got to slow down. So it does become a challenge. Uh, I think that's the funniest thing about becoming a head coach is you got to kind of know the weather. You got to become a weatherman a little bit um, with, with all those things. And nowadays with all these apps and everything on your phone, everybody thinks they know what the weather is. So it's Coach crazy. Fred, there's a, there's a huge difference between, uh, you know, winning one game or getting swept. You, do, you lose the first two at South Alabama. What was your message to your team going into game three? Well, the thing we talk about all the time is no matter what, championships are won on Sunday. Uh, when you get down to the end of the year, you know, every, every conference championship is, is pretty much on a Sunday. Most of the regionals are, are, are on a Sunday. And, um, you know, in order to, to, to win that championship, we, we talk about championship Sunday. We did it in the fall during our inner squads. We always, we always inner squatted on a Sunday and we talked about it. Sometimes it was after a football game on, on, you know, Saturday night that, Hey, we're still going to show up Sunday and we, we've got to try to win a championship, whether it's, um, you know, you're and two, like we were this past week, you got to find a way to salvage one game, uh, whether you're one and one and it's the rubber game or you're two and oh, and you got a chance to sweep because that helps you out you know, again, at the end of the year. And, um, you know, that's the thing that we're, we're trying to focus on. We've been talking about it since I got here is, um, is, is the conference play and in, in, in the conference tournament and, and, and working our way to get to that because it's been a number of years since uh, the Warhawks have played in the conference tournament. And that's, mm-hmm. that's a huge goal for us that, you know, again, for our, our seniors who have been here for four and five years, we want to we want to put them in a position to uh, you know play in that conference tournament and give ourselves a chance to you know hopefully win the tournament and get to a regional because ultimately that's what we want to do we want to get to Omaha and uh, you got you got to do it in, in those steps sometimes. Before you jump back into conference play uh, this weekend at home against Arkansas State tonight you square off against Louisiana Tech. Before we get into this matchup. Uh, the coaching fraternity really is a pr- pretty small group, and I know you go a ways back with uh, Burroughs and, of course, uh, Barton over at Louisiana Tech. Yeah, we do. Uh, you know, I had the, the the honor of coaching with uh, Coach Burroughs my first year really getting into uh, the business. Uh, I, was a, I was a graduate student coach at Southern Miss, and, and Lane was the, uh, you know, the recruiting guy, hitting guy, so – had an opportunity to work with him. He was young, and of course I was young, and we kind of leaned on each other, trying to you know figure things out. Uh, and then you know over the years we've we've been we've been friends, and uh, you know talked. We've we've recruited together on the road. We've stayed in same hotels and things. And then you know Corey uh, Barton, their pitching coach, he was my first sign when when I was at the University of Memphis. He was a catcher for us for two years, and then ended up coaching, and you know kind of helped him get off into his career. I was actually in his wedding, so um, you know we're, we're very close. And then even Travis Creel, the um, the hitting coach at at La Tech, he was on the team when I got to Southern Miss. He was a redshirt freshman, so you know I had the honor of coaching him for four years. And uh, it, it's you know it's fun sometimes when you when you play some of these games. You know you know that the rivalries are there with uh, you know certain games, whether it's in-state rivals. You know. Uh, but it's also fun when you're when you're competing against some of your buddies. Sometimes it's kind of like those old uh, summer wiffle ball games in the backyard where you want to, you know, you know, you want to uh, beat each other up in the backyard. But then you go inside and you drink some Kool Aid. So, uh, you know, there'll be some trash talking, but amongst us before the game, 
uh, you know, there'll be nothing but respect during the game and then after the game, um, you know, we'll, we'll go back to our, our normal daily lives and, uh, you know, I, I pull for them in, in, in one way, but at the same time I'll be pulling against them tonight for sure. Uh, who are you going to put on the bump tonight against the Louisiana Tech team that is red hot? Uh, sophomore uh, Culture Shell will start, um, you know, OCS graduate, uh, got a, his first start for us this year. I think he had one start last year. Um, you know, tremendous stuff, tremendous ability. Uh, he's still got to, you know, kind of continue to keep maturing for us and, and understanding the, the concepts of navigating himself through a lineup. But, uh, you know, feel really confident with having him out there. He's got a, he's got a big league arm. Uh, he's got big league stuff. It's just a matter of can he, you know, can he keep, continue to keep putting it together. Uh, for three innings last week against Northwestern State, he was dominating. And then, you know, the fourth inning kind of got into a little – uh, trouble and um, you know had to, had to go to the bullpen, which you know that's kind of our our mojo this year. Our the depth on our our, our starting pitching is not the best in the world. Um, you know, it's something that we've got to continue to keep growing. But uh, really like the, the back end of our bullpen and, and some of those kind of things. And we just got to find some guys. And and I know Cole is is working extremely hard to uh, you know hopefully step up and do that for us tonight. I know he's excited. I think last year he he got a start against. Uh, Louisiana Tech as well, so he's got some familiarity with them. He threw against them a little bit in relief the last time, and um, you know I think he understands the uh, you know the the rivalry of it all as well. And uh, really excited about seeing him uh, continue to get out there and continue to get innings because that's that's a big part of pitching as well is is just learning um, what it's like to prepare yourself for those other six days and um, get ready for that start and. And uh, I know he's going to be excited to get out there tonight and uh, compete against those guys because there's a couple guys that he actually knows and has played against for a long time as well. After tonight's game at J.C. Love Field, you get back to Warhawk Field. It feels like you guys have been gone forever. Uh, how nice will it be back to be back at home getting back in the conference play against Arkansas State? And what are you expecting against the Red Bulls? <clears throat> yeah, I'm excited about that. Uh, you know, with the fan support, again, uh, you know, we've played some, some difficult times, even for the home games where we've had success, uh, you know, early part of the year. And uh, I'm excited about seeing a, you know, a six o'clock game here, uh, ready to get back on to the natural grass surface and, and, and things like that. It looks like the weather is going to be beautiful this weekend. Uh, and, and again, this is what it's all about with, uh, with conference play and uh, what we're trying to work towards uh, at, the, at the end of the year and getting to the conference tournament in Lafayette. Is you've got to you've got to show up for conference weekends, and you know uh, the Red Wolves are coming off of a difficult weekend. They played uh, Coastal Carolina, who Coastal's playing really well. Um, got swept at home, so you know that they're going to uh, be working to respond because they're kind of in the same situation as us. You know they were they were picked you know lower half of the uh, the Sun Belt Conference, and uh, you know they're, they they need every win just like we do as well. And uh, you know I know I've known Coach Raffo for a long time. Uh, he's an old Mississippi State guy under Coach Polk, who you know I had the honor of coaching with Darren Schoenrock, who's an old Polk guy as well. So, uh, I, you know, I kind of understand his the, the style of play that they play, and uh, you know, anxious to just get back going. But you know, right now the, the the main focal point is playing Louisiana Tech tonight because, like I tell our guys, every game matters. It doesn't matter, you know, for playing the local little league team or for playing the New York Yankees. Uh, we got to learn how to continue to keep competing. Um, and continue to keep showing up every day because baseball is one of those sports that you have to show up every day because 
anybody can be beaten on any given day. Coach, as always, we appreciate the time. We'll see you out at the J.C. Love Field tonight. Thanks, Aaron. Appreciate you guys having me on today. Michael Federico, ULM's head coach, joins us every Wednesday around 8 o'clock or so. Bottom line, it's just fun talking about ULM versus Louisiana Tech, right? It's just fun talking about it. Looking forward to tonight's game. Let's take a timeout. You can uh, hit us up on the hotline slash text line, 888-993-7762, the morning drive on the all-new Sports Talk 97.7. Jake says it's not all-new. <laughs> I was just about to say, man. Come on. When are you going to drop that? Uh, Sports Talk 97.7, back after this. Unfortunately in life, bad things happen to us. If you're struggling with some sort of trauma and want some professional help, you should consider EMDR Trauma Therapy from Amber White at Firm Foundations Counseling Monroe. Amber White is one of the few therapists in our area trained in EMDR therapy, a type of therapy which uses eye movement and other stimulation to assist clients in processing distressing memories and beliefs. Blue Cross, Vantage, TRICARE Insurance is accepted at Firm Foundations. If you're interested in learning more about EMDR trauma therapy, call Firm Foundations Counseling today at 654-7010. That's 654-7010. Or go online to myfirmfoundations.com for more information. Boom. Nailed it. All right, Aaron. Let's get to some headlines. Uh, One that we failed to talk about. It's one I've been wanting to talk about, of course. Conor McGregor opens as a 10-to-1 favorite on the books for a hypothetical match with Floyd Mayweather in the <laughs> octagon. So, so we, we got a hypothetical eye. <laughs> oh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's Because, uh, you know, you, you hear now that Floyd's training. He p- applied for his MMA license yesterday. Refresh my memory. What were the odds on the flip side when – McGregor stepped into the ring with Mayweather. It was six to one. Oh, right. but it, it, it started just, really. I think it started six to one, and it, it really got down hmm. pretty pretty close, um, a lot closer than it should have been. Hmm. But anyway, this is. Um, I think I think we're. I, I'm pretty confident saying that this fight will happen. All right. Because there's just so much money involved, and that's what I said the, about the boxing match, right? I mean, there's mm-hmm. so much money involved that even though it's ridiculous, it's going to happen. That seems like good money right there, just uh, for putting money down on McGregor, even at ten to one. Minus a thousand. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta spend a lot though to make yeah. some. But yeah, I would put so much money on McGregor, huh. and that's what's gonna. I, I'm curious to see if if you know these odds do kind of tilt it, and and maybe some people do pick Mayweather, and you know if it gets if it gets to minus six hundred. Yeah, put put everything you own on that thing. <laughs> Betting <laughs> advice here from Jake Martin. <laughs> There's just no way. Bet your life savings unless, on it. Unless Connor walked in there and like broke his ankle in the warm up. I mean, there's there's absolutely no way Floyd would beat him. Huh. There's there's no way. Yeah. There's there's no chance ever. Wow. Ever they could fight a hundred times. Floyd would never beat him. But we said the same thing in terms of him getting in. The boxing. No, Connor had a somewhat, I mean, a slim chance. Puncher's chance. A puncher's chance, exactly. Floyd doesn't even really have a puncher's chance because he's not a knockout artist. He's a high volume fighter, and once he lands a couple, Connor's going to be able to grab him and throw him to the ground. Mm. It's it's so silly. 888 993 7762. It's so silly, but we're all going to fork over some money to watch it. Unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Uh, headlines on this uh, Wednesday morning. Uh, 
How about the Benson Tribute? Uh, empty casket was led by uh, the Superdome yesterday for the second line. Now, of course, uh, arrangements continue to be made for Tom Benson. Funeral, I believe, is scheduled for Friday. Just uh, saw on Twitter that uh, Anthony Davis, Drew Brees are expected to be pallbearers at the ceremony. That's pretty cool. That's that's really cool to see both of those guys representing uh, and, and to be Paul Bears is a big honor. And I did see on uh, NOLA.com there was a private ceremony for the estranged family yesterday. Mm. Other headlines, let's make it a little bit more upbeat there, uh, Jake. <laughs> I mean, hey, what do you want me to say? You know? uh, we certainly look forward to the college baseball games tonight. We've mentioned, of course, ULM versus Louisiana Tech last night. The Bulldogs take care of business versus Northwestern State. They win 6-3. to three. Got off to a little bit of a slow start. Credit to the Demons, but uh, the Dogs do respond. They rally from a 3-0 hole to come back and win 6-3. to three. They now improve to 16-6 and six overall. Also tonight, you got LSU versus Tulane. Yes, versus Tulane. And you wanted me to pump my brakes on Nick Storrs. But this is the sensation coming in from, from New York that uh, was an All-American last year. And a guy that many say has Major League stuff, has what it takes. And, the, of course, the build. He's 6'6", 200 pounds, has what it takes to be you know a, a superstar pitcher at LSU. He was the guy that people were raving about. Not, you know, A.J. Labus to an extent, but really it was more Nick Storrs. Um, and you, you've already seen what A.J. Labus has done. And. Heck, if this guy can be half as good as, you know, what Paul Maneri and others have said about him, if he can be half as good, LSU's pitching staff will be so much better. I think what has to happen, I, I want to see Caleb Gilbert kind of move back into the bullpen. I would like to see him move back into the bullpen. Mikael Hillard has pitched so well this year for LSU as that Sunday starter, an incredible ERA thus far. Um, and so I think he's kind of cemented that Sunday starting spot. If you could put A.J. Labus or Nick Storrs in that uh, Saturday rotation or as the Saturday starter, man, that's that's going to make that pitching staff really good. All right, you got me curious now. He was selected in the 31st round of last year's draft by the Tigers. The freshman gets to start tonight versus LSU. Tulane's been struggling a little bit this year as they are just 9-12 and 12 overall. Stephen F. Austin versus Grambling also tonight on the Diamond. Yes, indeed. College basketball news and notes. We did have a team playing for a national championship last night. LSU A falls a little bit short, though, in overtime. Tough way to lose any game, let alone a national championship, on a buzzer beater, 83-80. to 80. Yeah, I mean, losing by buzzer beater in general is tough, but losing a national championship game by buzzer beater, that's tough to swallow, but a great season for LSU. Uh, you uh, went out and uh, enjoyed a little uh, high school softball last night, and there was a little controversy early in that ball game. There was. I failed to mention this. Yes, uh, you did. The first inning, Ash had a runner on, and a girl hits a two-run homer. It was actually a second at bat, but the girl at first left the base early. Mm. So, as you can imagine, what few Ash fans were there, they were pretty upset. How did the coach handle that? This is something that occasionally you know what, happens though, in softball, too. You know what? Uh, their coach was – And coach, the call was made immediately. I mean, right – some would say even before the ball was hit that she had left early. Yeah, but that's the – you know, it's the it's the first base umpire's call. And so, 
you hit the home run, it's a lot of cheering going, a lot of a lot of craziness ensuing, and then you later find, oh, she left the bag early. But the coach, I, get back to the Ashes coach. She handled it well, man. She she was really good against, and I and I thought uh, Tim Whitman was great too because both sides got bad calls. It was just not a well officiated game. Like it just wasn't, it wasn't well called, and um, it wasn't you know to cater to one side or the other. It was just a lot of missed things on both sides, and I thought both coaches handled it well. You know, of course they they let their opinion be known, but they did it in a respectful manner to where. Neither coach was even close to getting, you know, thrown out of the game, which, you know, if if you know someone else in that spot definitely could have been thrown out. Mm. Like if I would have been in that spot, I probably would have been thrown out. Mm. Just a lot of it was just image. It, it was just um, what's the word I'm looking for? Amateur, kind of kind of amateurish the way it was called. And mm. I I had secondhand embarrassment for the umpire. I was just like, he's probably driving to work this morning for his <laughs> real job, and then Jake Martin's bashing him. I'm not, radio. you know, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to <laughs> bash him, but oof, it was rough. And I feel like uh, the guy on first, it, you know, he he didn't. He had to be told to get into certain positions at times, oh. and I'm just like, man, right. guys, come on, this is a big game here. This yeah. is a big game. Y'all need to step it up. Big game that Washington ended up winning. Yes, they won five to one. It was one to one heading into the fifth, and Washington's lineup so nasty. It, you know, you, you were kind of waiting for them to explode. You, you just knew it was coming. Fifth inning with two outs. Uh, Ty Randall hits a two-run bomb, and uh, Jordan Manning and uh, Madeline Fletcher follow with some RBIs too. So they won that game five to one. Washita still got it rolling. Washita still among the teams to beat in 5A. Uh, in high school baseball, we anticipate a huge week. Uh, some marquee matchups, including uh, got Neville versus West Washita and Rustin slugging it out with West Monroe. Yeah, I, I'm so pumped for for uh, district play to be kicked off. Um, you know, the question is: Is anybody going to be able to challenge West Monroe in district? Because this West Monroe team has dominated district. Wade Seminoles only lost one district game. Now, of course, they lost to Ruston in the postseason. I'm not counting that. But uh, in district play, they've only lost one game. So this year with uh, a lot of new faces, a lot of guys trying to figure out, you know, figure out, you know, where they're going to play and, and just getting accustomed to playing with one another, this might be the year that maybe some teams. That's can one district problem. regular season district loss now in three plus seasons. Then yeah, wow, mm-hmm. very impressive. Very very impressive. Um, I forgot the actual record. That's why I keep just saying I only lost one game. But um, yeah, super impressive record there. And then you know you look at a team like Ruston who does have a lot of firepower. I mean this is a really talented Ruston team that could give West Monroe fits. So I'm interested in how this series goes. And West Monroe, you know, coming off of couple of wins in the you know the, the sports city grill tournament and getting a big win last night against benton they seem to be building some momentum heading into district play you'll hear from their head coach wade simino coming up after the break on the morning drive welcome back to the morning drive on sports talk 97.7 as we mentioned we look forward to some high school baseball big series this week was rustin squaring off against west monroe rebels head coach wade simino joins us on the stuart shelby state farm hotline coach how you doing this morning bud all right, Aaron. How you doing, bud? Good. Coach, you got a big win last night against Benton, uh, a very good Benton team that's had success against a lot of teams up here recently. Uh, you threw Jonathan Snugs in that one last night. 
Uh, first of all, how good was it to get the win? And uh, what has Snugs brought to this team this year? Because he has pitched in a lot of a lot of big games for you. Well, it was a big win. Uh, any win's big with this new group we got. And, uh, you know, we're going after one game at a time. And uh, Snugs has brought a lot to the table. First of all, he's left-handed. And second of all, I told him, you know, left-handers just need to throw strikes. But he also – he can throw three strikes, I mean, three pitches for strikes at any time in the count. And, uh, makes it difficult on good hitting teams. And uh, he uh, he brings a, a good positive attitude to our pitching rotation. And uh, we love the way he pounds that zone. Coach, you made a reference to this roster. And, of course, uh, the, the number of new faces, or perhaps not new faces, but guys getting to play prominent roles on this year's squad. What was it like kind of revamping this lineup considering the number of guys and leaders that you lost off off last year's squad? Well, you know, last year's 38-3 and team, you know, I could go to the copy machine and run off our lineup. And, uh, you know, the only thing I had to change was our starting pitcher. And that was, you know, for two or three years in a row. And those guys were aware of what was going on. They were – instinctive they they anticipated what i was fixing to put on and you know this group being you know having four or five guys that were in the dugout with us last year you know we got 20 new faces in that dugout and it's they're receiving the brunt of what the last three years teams have done because that bullseye is definitely on our back as usual and uh you know we go to these tournaments and like example, this Sports City Grill tournament that we just finished, you know, game three and game four, after we threw Snugs and Dejon, we're facing Benton's six foot five lefty ace, and then we're facing Neville's, uh, the Kegel kid, is one of their best, if not their best, in game four. And, you know, we're, we're down to JV guys throwing in those games, and it's, uh, sometimes it makes it tough, but, uh, we like that because it's going to make us better in the long run, and, our record isn't all that great right now, but our strength of schedule is number one in the state by far. The teams that we have played, uh, if you look at their overall record, we're number one in the state in strength of schedule. And what that does is it prepares our guys because we're not only facing the good teams, we're facing the good pitchers. And, and I told them it's not how you start the season. You know, don't think you're going to go 38-3 and like the team did last year. It's a building process, and uh, we have to be at our best you know, come mid-district and going into the playoffs. Wade, was that your mentality going into this year, let's throw them into the fire, or did you consider, hey, probably you need to ease back a little bit on the schedule, or was the schedule already made and you couldn't change it up at that point? Well, any time we play these tournaments, I want to play the four best teams we could possibly play because, you know, at the end of the year, you get all of their wins, mm-hmm. you know, the teams that you play against. Some teams purposely, like I'll throw a Barb out there, Barbara play Grace Christian and Elizabeth, which are both Class B, I think. But both those teams win 30-something games every year. And Barb gets 20 points plus their wins. So that's three 50-point wins for them. We don't play the Class B. Now, this year we are playing a Sterlington and the OCS and the Benton and because our district has cut back to two-game series instead of three, and we went ahead and found the best teams around here in our eyes, which was Sterlington, OCS, Benton. That's going to have a large number of wins at the end of the year, which could come back to help us. Whether we win or lose, 
in some of those tough non-district games, the number of wins that team has helps us down the stretch. You mentioned Barb, and of course, uh, during the college, your college day ranks and in the high school ranks in this state, you knew Barb's reputation inside this state. But are you amazed at all about you know, maybe not the, the bitterness or the animosity towards that program and the rivalry that continues between your two programs now? Well, you know, it's it's definitely a game that we want to play every year. And, uh, you know, we threw old Snugsy at him the first time we went down there this year, and, and he went the distance. Well, he didn't go the distance. I think he and Barry combined to shut him down, and we beat a good Barb team, you know, handily that second game of the season. And, uh, and it was a, a good win for us. But then, you know, this young team turns around and loses to Houghton the next day. And it's a uh, it, – it's we don't have the mindset yet – that last year's team had last year had that internal clock that when that game started it was on and they were going to get whoever we were playing it didn't matter what name was on that chest and the other dugout and we're trying to get this team to where we got to play the game we got to play pitch by pitch it doesn't matter who's in that other dugout you play in the game the way it's supposed to be played and uh, this team is really starting to come on and uh and barb has always been a a thorn in everyone's side in high school baseball. And it's, you know, it's always a good win when you can beat them, but that game's long gone. And this team is now starting to emerge as a, as an offensive team that, that has four, three or four top pitchers. That's going to be pretty salty by the time this season's over and, and uh, could be playoff ready, you know, in the, in the next couple of weeks. Coach, I always love a good sports story that involves superstitions and last week, after your team uh, went through a, a struggle in, in a tournament, you burned those demons, so to speak. Can you walk us through that story? Well, actually, I'll take no credit for that. Uh, coach Acord, our pitching, our new pitching coach, who does a really good job with our young guys. Um, he has them. He had a team. He was coaching. He was a head coach at Carson Newman uh, College up in Tennessee. And he had a team that was 500 on the season. And they did this little ritual where they said, okay, we're going to burn away all the demons. His team comes back and wins 20 out of 21 games, you know, and they win the conference and they go on to their little playoffs in Division Two, whatever they are. And uh, so he came to me and said, hey, can we do this? I said, dude, we can do anything you think that'll work, you know, to get these guys. You know, sometimes you got to trick trick these young guys into believing, though, okay, hey, this can help us win some ball games. And, you know, I think it was a good little ritual that they had, and they they did waste a lot of good batting gloves and wristbands and stuff that that uh, is hard to replace. But uh, hey, if it gets those demons out of there, and we can get some good feelings about ourselves, and I think since then we have played with an emotion during our games that we didn't have earlier in the season, and I like the fight that we're playing with, win or lose. You know, whoever we're facing whether we're down by four or five or six, we still think we can come back and win the game. Since taking over this West Monroe program, you guys have been extremely successful inside district play. Jake Martin had the stat where I believe you guys have only lost one district regular season game since you've taken over the Rebels. Uh, what's that like as you guys head into this year and jump into this district play starting with Rustin? Well, you know, that's, that takes a lot of talent and a lot of luck. <laughs> to go 44 and one. And, uh, especially when you play in, you know, the Washita's and the Rustins and, you know, and everybody, uh, and those were in three game series, which is tough to win sometimes when 
some teams were holding their number one guy for game three, and it kind of it becomes a pitching matchup nightmare. And but we had a team that could go out there and score runs regardless of who was pitching, and that that was our best pitcher, our offense the last three years. Now this year, you know, Rustin brings back some quality arms on the mound, and Washita does too, and and it's a two-game series, and you know, it kind of I don't mind which way we go because we could combine our top three or four pitchers in those two games, but sometimes it's tough. Like Benton last night, we threw snugs last night because every game basically is equally as important because you, in a high school association, you get the number of wins from your opponent and you get 20 points for a win. So it doesn't matter if you're playing a, a, a Rustin or you're playing a New York Yankees. You know what I'm saying? If you win one out of two, it doesn't matter which one you win. So the only safety net is if you win your district, you're in the playoffs, even if you're not in the top 32. And hopefully our strength of schedule, because we're lingering down there at the bottom of, of the playoff chain right now. But I think the strength of our schedule is eventually going to pull us up and up and up as we win a few district games and get moving in the right direction. That said, your, your matchups with Rustin the past couple of years have been really special. I mean, you go back to the upset two years ago in the playoffs. You go back to last year. I'd like with, to forget uh, about that. <laughs> you, go go ahead. Last, you go back to last year where Tom Biggs had the walk-off homer for y'all that, that kicked off district play. Um, what is it about this matchup that makes it uh, such a special and unique rivalry? Well, I don't know all the past, but I know Toby White used to coach for me over at, at – uh, Louisiana Tech, you know, for four years before uh, before I came over here. But uh, you know, Rustin and West Monroe uh, probably don't like each other too much in sports either. But it's uh, it's just you know, thirty minutes away, and and they like to beat each other, and and it's uh, the kids know each other. A lot of them play in the summer together and all that stuff. But uh, it's just a fun game to be in, and it's and it's you know, we like that we like that that heightens our awareness. Is you know the tough games are are going down to Pineville and sitting in the dugout that's eight feet from home plate and hoping a foul ball don't hit you in the teeth, but it's uh you know it's, it's, there's nobody at the games. I mean those are the tough ones to get up for. The Rustin game and the Washington game those aren't tough to get up for, and it's uh it's something you can see how badly they want to beat us and and they probably know how badly we want to beat them. So we we look forward to the challenge and uh. It's going to be a fun little district schedule here coming up. So, Coach, uh, starts uh, Thursday, correct, at your place, and then uh, go over to Ruston on Saturday? Yes, sir. Thursday here, 6 o'clock, and Saturday at 1 o'clock at Ruston. Appreciate the time, Coach Wade Seminole. Good luck this week. All right, guys. Appreciate you all. Thanks. Wade Seminole, West Monroe's head coach, and uh, you can hear those games on the beach, 99.3. Yes. Should be some good ones for sure. Let's take a timeout. Forty-four and one. There's the stat, Jake. Yeah, forty-four and one. Your, your eyes perked up, or your ears perked up when yeah. you heard that. Yeah, he told me that stat before. I, I forgot the wins. There's so many of them. It's hard to get the yeah. numbers straight. But yes, forty-four and one. Wow, impressive district resume. Stuart Shelby State from Hotline slash Text Line eight 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 nine nine three seven seven six two. Go to stuartshelby.com for a free quote. We close up shop with our parting shots coming up after the break. All right, Jake, before we get into our parting shots, uh, how about a news or note from the uh, NFL? We continue to look forward to the NFL draft, and, of course, uh, now there are pro days taking place. 
across the country. Uh, Louisiana Tech and Grambling will actually have theirs on a Thursday. So Penn State had theirs yesterday, and Saquon Barkley uh, had planned to work out and go through some drills for the NFL executives and coaches that made their way to State College. But uh, yesterday morning, noticed that there were no position coaches there, no running back coaches. So he decided, eh, I'm not going to go through it. You go back to what he did in the combine in his numbers, a 4-4 in the 40, 41-inch vertical jump, bench press uh, 225 29 times. And uh, James Franklin actually told uh, ESPN.com that uh, his combine numbers were just very average compared to what he's done throughout his career at Penn State. (laughs) So he puts up those numbers at combine. He pretty much blew everybody away how impressive he was, how he handled himself. Can you blame the kid then when everybody shows up at State College and says, eh, we can just get to stand here and talk to you and not get to see you perform? Yeah, I, I can't blame him. I actually question why not one running back coach went, right? I mean, I, maybe the, the haze on the barn, you yeah. know, maybe maybe you feel like you know what's, what's what you got. But my thought process would be any chance I could get to watch this guy, if this guy is going to have a chance to be my number one pick or yeah. – top pick in general. Well, you got to feel like if you're in the top five of the draft anyway, you're going to invite him in and you're going to get this individual Work workout yeah. with him. And then but, but it goes back to what I initially said, though. The more you can see him, the better, right? Yeah. The more the more you can see him on different days. Yeah. But that's just me. Uh, I'm just fascinated by the conversation now we'll continue to have about running backs and, and their value in the National Football League. And is it worth taking a guy like Barkley in the top five or perhaps as the number one overall pick? It's it's a unique question this year because the Cleveland Browns have the number one pick yeah. and the number four pick. Yeah. And there's not a clear cut. There's not an Andrew Luck. There's not a, a guy that – and even with Andrew Luck, you had RG3 that you know that people were saying, well, who should be number one? There's four different guys. There's four different guys that are in the conversation, and you have the number four pick. So why not take the fourth guy? Barkley says he would welcome a visit to the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> Uh, he met with the Browns and the Giants, among other teams, for informal interviews at the NFL Combine. Yeah. And listen, we do question the value of running backs. I'm the first person to do that, by the way. Yeah. But look at what Leonard Fournette did at, at Jacksonville. I knew it would come back to Leonard Fournette. Oh, but and the fact it's that a they, good point. you know, what was your fourth overall pick? Yeah, number yeah. four. And it worked out mighty well. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and, and listen, it's going to be a gamble. But listen, you can you could very well take the wrong quarterback too and miss worse. Yeah. So maybe it's a safer pick, and then you can get whoever you can pick who's ever left at the number four spot. And just depending on what side of the argument you're on, some will say, well, it worked out well for Jacksonville for Leonard Fournette for one year. But in terms of it's running backs in in the league, uh, you know, the shelf life, how long do they last? And I always go back to the Trent Richardson yeah. pick. I mean, that was. But on the flip side, you can always go back to the number of quarterbacks now in the first round that have failed. Absolutely. And failed miserably. It's a, listen, and it, you know, Russillo did a podcast on And nobody this. heard, except for probably Joe. I heard. Okay. It was good. He threw out a lot of statistics and uh, basically came to the conclusion that no matter what is said, it's hard making an NFL draft pick because you, nothing's guaranteed. You know, and, and he went through what was said throughout the years and how they panned out and it is crazy to see how many quarterbacks – he's specifically did quarterbacks. It's amazing to see how many quarterbacks missed, you know, that were taken early and just became complete busts. Hmm. 
Let's get to our parting shots. I started when we didn't have computers, we didn't have cell phones, we didn't have any of that garbage. You do what everybody else in the media does, just creates and throw it on the wall and see what sticks. I have something to ask, just like this, let's do it. Since where'd that come from? I never said that. Nobody in this building ever said that. So where'd you come up with that? Just, you know, had a dream about it or what? But see, it's real easy when you're not in the business, when you've never played the game, when you don't understand truly what the game is. And that's, to me, that's chicken. Uh, a couple of texts here before we get to our parting shots. Uh, Larry Monroe says, heard the news about Butch Jones becoming an Alabama intern. Uh, he had to be bought out of his contract for, what, $8 million. Usually an internship, you don't get paid. So how cool is it now that you're probably going to be the highest paid intern ever? Yeah, it's still, though, you carry the title of intern. That just. Yeah, no pressure, though. You got no pressure. Well, that, you think they're going to say, hey, go get the coffee? You got to bring in the donuts? No, I don't think that. But still, <laughs> still the fact of the time. Can you imagine the blow to your pride? I was the head coach at Tennessee. Now I'm an intern. Keeps your foot into college football. It does. And, uh, Saban has done a pretty it. remarkable job of rehabbing, and exactly. pardon the word rehabbing, with some of the guys he's had. I'll be stuff. the first to agree with you. Yes. And I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying it has to be a blow to your pride to go from head coach to intern. Oh, oh yeah, without a doubt. <laughs> uh, Tyler says, Coach Sim, what a stud. Uh, Brock says running back position is disposable, and they have the shelf life of three to four years. At peak performance, you have to pass. Yeah, and that's the, you know, usually I would feel the same, Brock, but just because the Cleveland Browns have two picks in the top four, why not? If you're going to ever do it, why not? And this seems to be a once-in-a-lifetime athlete with the type of numbers he's producing at, at uh, you know, pro day and or at the NFL Combine, I should say. And then we've seen him play. We've seen it on the field. We've seen what he can do in, in the college game. So, yeah, why not this year? All right, Jake, let's pretend we're sitting inside an important news editorial production meeting. All right, you ready for the question? Sure. We love the shots at major sporting events, whether it's college basketball, March Madness, college football, Super Bowl, NFL, uh, fans, and, of course, the instant reaction, the the joy, and then, of course, the agony, agony of defeat. The surrender cobras. Yes. There's been a lot of big backlash now towards uh, True TV, TBS, TNT, and CBS. With this March Madness, once again, they seem to find a kid or two in the crowd when their team is losing or they lose a heartbreaker and the kid is basically crying. Is it appropriate in those situations to show a youngster, a huge fan of a college program, crying? Uh that's tough. I, uh, uh. Me, personally, I don't mind it mm-hmm. because I understand that from, I would say, from like 7 to 12 or mm-hmm. 13, that is when you care most about sports. Like, it is life or death if your team loses, and you simply can't handle it. You haven't matured enough to be able to handle losses. So, I think it's I say always, that, and then you think of the Michigan kid against Michigan. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I remember when I was that age, yeah. when my team lost, I was crushed, man. And it, and it affected my whole week. But uh, you just haven't matured enough to, to be able to cope with the loss. So, yeah, I say it's fair game because they're going to grow up. It's going to be fine. And what's wrong – listen, it's not wrong, nothing's wrong with crying if your team loses, mm. especially if you're that age. Yeah. It just means you have that much passion about it. You care enough. I'm torn on this. 
Because there's so many other different shots that you could get. And then, you know, this happens all the time to us when we're covering high school athletics, just in terms of showing kids. And after they lose a tough game in a state championship game, and I certainly try to give them their space. When when is it appropriate to show one or two shots or perhaps when it drags on to, you know, four or five? You want to capture the moment, the heartbreak of losing an important game. But also, you got to give them their privacy. The best pictures and best footage I've seen – with the high school case is when they, they're embraced by their parents, whether it be a father or a mother. Yeah. That's always a good – especially if the, if the father is a coach too. I mean, that's always really special, you know. And it, we've all been through that. You know you know what it's like to play your last game. It's it's heartbreaking. Mm. But it's it's something we all go through. That's why I'm, I'm, I think it's okay to, to show because we all can relate to that, you know. And then you're making the argument also you're fair game because you're in a public setting, you're in an arena – yeah, but you know when it comes to kids, yeah. you know, that's why you got to be kind of careful. Yeah. But I still say you're a fan; it's nothing wrong with it. And then, of course, the other point being, uh, well, it's a college athlete. If you're taking on the court, they are certainly fair game. Oh, absolutely, yes. Yeah. And you, it might not be their shining moment, but it is 15 seconds of fame for them. Yeah, yeah. there's no doubt. And you know, when you grow up, you can look back and laugh at it. Yeah. You can actually take a little pride in it. Say, yeah. hey, I cared enough when yes. I was a kid. I loved sports when I was a kid that I, I cried after. I've been a fan for I've so long. It dates back to this heartbreaking yeah. loss in, you know, the first round of the NCAA tournament. Yes. I'll tell you a quick story. I, I have some, some family in Arkansas. Uh, this was 2002, so I would have been 11 years old. Uh, LSU was playing Arkansas. We went up to Arkansas. If for those of you Arkansas fans will remember, this was the miracle. Uh, this was the, the Matt Jones play, the, the Hail Mary that beat LSU. Before the game, I'm an 11-year-old, you know, snotty kid talking trash the whole time. Not I'm, a lot has changed. <laughs> talking trash, and uh, I learned my lesson because Matt Jones threw, threw a touchdown to win. And literally, I'm the only – me and my dad were the only people there rooting for LSU. So everyone gave me crap, and I cried. I cried after that game. And that was the last time I cried after a game. But Ooh. I was 11 years old, and it happens. I mean, when you're that, that age, and that's when you have the talk with, you know, older people, and they say, hey, listen, it's just a game. Yeah, It's just a game. I don't know. You, don't you have about. shed a, a few tears over the last couple of years in these LSU-Alabama games. Oh, I have? Yeah. Okay. Sure. Full disclosure. Uh, what do we got coming up tomorrow? Uh, ooh, top 10 Thursday. Miracle on Markham. Thank you, Sam. I, I don't know why I couldn't remember the last part of that um we have top 10 thursday tomorrow it is the craziest moments in march madness history which is really tough because i was just thinking of some i mentioned the chris jenkins one i mentioned the christian leitner one what about lorenzo charles it's top of the list yeah but is it number one is it above leitner is it above what about mario chalmers remember Uh 2008 he tied the game against memphis i mean michael jordan's big jump shot chris weber's timeout Weber's timeout. Oh, yeah, that's not going to be at the top though, just because I don't know, man. Yeah. And then you've got to factor in these upsets too. Yeah. I mean, you know, how about Northwestern State's epic win a couple of years ago against Iowa? I don't know if that makes a list. Yeah. We've seen so many of those. Um, yeah. Definitely, we'll have some something from this previous weekend. Mm. All right, we look forward to that tomorrow. Plus, uh, what is tomorrow? Thursday, so we will have. Chris Blair on this show. Great job on the board today, John Tabor. Everybody have a fantastic day. The Edge is coming up after the break.
Thanks for listening to the best of the morning drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts.